Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, beginning in verse 27. We'll be reading through Genesis 2, verse 3. If you could, please, once you have found the scripture reading for this morning, rise for the reading of the word. Genesis chapter 1. It's in there somewhere. <laughs> and the text reads, beginning in verse 27, God created humanity in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruits and to every beast of, uh, of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life. I have given every green plant for food and it was so. God saw all that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were complete in all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made the word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may all be seated. I want to say, uh, start by saying thank you to all of you for your prayers and your well wishes uh, with the birth of our daughter, with the birth of Olivia. Um, many of you have reminded me to enjoy these moments when they're so small. Because they go by so quickly, don't they? You know, as, as I was sitting there holding uh, my, my six-pound, five-ounce uh, daughter, she's so tiny, as I sat there holding her in the hospital room, and I look over at my three-year-old, 30-pound uh, son, uh, who is just a ball of energy, and I look at him, and I see how big he is now. And I look at her, and I see how small she is. And it's hard to believe that he was once that size. You know, it's hard to believe that just three years ago, Aiden was that small and I was holding him. And I think, man, where did the time go? Just three short years ago. And it's just amazing at how quickly the time flies through this stage of life. You know, and, and so every time when you remind me, cherish these moments because they go quickly. I'm so cherishing these moments. Every time I look at my son, I just think, wow, how quickly he has grown. Yes. And, you know, as many of you have shared this reminder with me, this, this encouragement with, with me, which, which I am very thankful for, and please do keep reminding me of this, because something about, you know, uh, walking around underslept means I tend to forget the simple things. <laughs> as you're encouraging me to appreciate these moments, I've had this rolling theme in, in sort of the back of my, my mind. This theme has been resting inside of my heart. I've been kind of wrestling with it over the last several months. 
I know I've, I've spoken with several of you about this, this theme of Sabbath, this theme of rest, this theme of enjoyment, this theme of being present in the moment. And I could almost say that this theme haunts me. It's haunted me for some time. I don't know, maybe it's it's just because I've grown accustomed to working three jobs, or maybe it's because of long hours I put in over graduate school. Maybe it's just because I've worked so long where work knew no boundaries in my life. And when I think about Sabbath now, it haunts me. And the truth is that I don't know how long it's haunted me for. Maybe it's been years. Maybe it's been a decade. Because I don't know how long work has dictated every moment in my day. It's just become normal for me. You know, when I think about the story of creation and just how beautiful it is, I mean, you think about how carefully orchestrated that entire chapter is. Everything has its place. Everything serves a purpose. Day in and day out, nothing goes by without the notice of God and being good. Have you all caught that? You know, and it's beautiful in this story of creation, the way that uh, in, in Jewish tradition they actually speak of every day having a pair, every day has a mate. You know, because the days work together. In days one through three, God creates by dividing something. Day one, God divides darkness from light, and we end up with, with this day and night theme. Day two, God divides the waters, and we get the firmament above and the firmament below, the sky and the oceans. Day three, God divides the waters again and, and we get land. Days one through three, all this division. But then in days four through six, God goes back to everything that was divided and fills it with something beautiful. Did y'all catch that? So day four, God goes back to what was divided in day one, the light and the darkness, and now fills it with the sun, the moon, the stars, making this beautiful. Oh, day five, God goes back to the sky and the oceans that were divided in day two and now fills it with life. The, the, the scriptures talk about it teeming with life. And then day six, God goes back to the land that was created and fills it with life. I mean, it's just so beautifully orchestrated. And one of the things that, that gets me about this every, every time I read it is that every day seems to have a pair. Every day seems to work hand in hand with another day that came. That came and, except for one. There's one day that stands apart that doesn't have a mate in this story. The seventh day. The Sabbath. That day stands alone. You see, sometimes when, when we talk about the story of creation, particularly in Christianity, we, we have this habit of, of speaking of the creation of humanity as the pinnacle of creation. You know, sometimes we tend to look at ourselves as if we are the crown on creation. And I, I don't know, maybe that's just our tendency to think the world revolves around us. I'm not entirely sure. But it, it happens a lot. But the thing that, that, that gets me about that, and, and don't get me wrong, the creation of humanity is important in this story. Like, humanity has a special place in creation. Humanity alone is created in the image of God. You know, on every day, how God says that it is good, God looks and sees all of life around and says it is good. There's only one day when God says it's good twice. 
is day six. God sees the animals and says it's good, and God sees humanity, but this time God says it's very good. There is something special about the creation of humanity, but that's not the end of the story. You see, the, the, the difficulty here, the, the problem, is that the days of creation do not end in Genesis 1.31. The story of, of creation does not end in Genesis 1.31. And we have to be careful here, because if we just read Genesis 1 and took that as a story of creation, we would think that creation ended with us. But it doesn't. You see, here, here's the thing we have to remember. You know those chapter divisions that we have in our Bibles? You know, Genesis 1, chapter, Genesis 2. Those are really convenient for finding Bible verses, right? It's really convenient for the preacher to stand up and say, everyone turn to Psalm 23 and we all end up at the same place. But we have to remember that those chapter divisions, well, those actually weren't original to the text. We didn't start printing those in our Bibles until about the 13th century. And the verse divisions, well, we didn't start printing those in Bibles until about the 16th century. They're useful, but they also reflect someone's interpretation of the text. Because, you know, when we decide to, that a passage begins here or ends there, that affects how we interpret it. And so I encourage people sometimes, when you're reading through the Bible, try reading across the chapters. You know, find a version of the Bible that doesn't have those chapter divisions and see how that affects the way we read because here's the thing, if we start reading Genesis chapter 1 and we see day 1, day 2, day 3, day 4, day 5, day 6, we now come to the end of Genesis chapter 1, we could think that that was the end of creation, but it's not. Because there's a seventh day that comes in Genesis chapter 2, isn't there? And I think this seventh day has something to say because it reminds us that humanity is not the pinnacle of creation. It reminds us that we're not the end of the story. That there is something that comes after. You want to know what the pinnacle of creation is? The crown? The climax? It's Sabbath. When God rests and enjoys this creation that God created. Admittedly, in Modern Christianity, we're not great at observing the Sabbath. Can we just be honest for a second? I mean, we, we have uh, some concept of it, and there are a few Christian groups that emphasize it. You know, we think about like Seventh-day Adventists, where observing the Sabbath is very important there. But for a lot of us in American Christianity, the, the idea of just taking an entire day to rest, <laughs> ain't no one got time for that. Oh, we've got emails, we've got conference calls. We might be able to carve out, some of us have a hard time carving out two hours to come to worship, right? You know, taking a whole day out, that, that's going to be kind of tough. We're not great at this in American Christianity. We're not great at this in our North American society, in our materialistic culture, in which we are continually driven towards production, towards productivity, towards profits. And the thing is that we all know we need rest, right? You know, like we all know that it's not healthy to burn the candle at both ends. We all know that we can push ourselves day in and day out for only so long, right? We have this sense within us that, that that's not exactly a sustainable lifestyle. But does that really mean we have to take a full day off? Not that. 
know that when we start overworking ourselves like that, when we become driven by the need to continually be productive, that that is not healthy for us. We know that. It's detrimental to our health, running ourselves ragged. So we'll just do it a little bit, right? In her book, Working Ourselves to Death, author Diane Fassel dispels a myth. The myth that hard work never killed anyone. And she says, actually, no, the way that we overwork ourselves actually does tear down our health. It actually does hurt us. And another thing, another myth she dispels is the idea that when we're constantly overworking, we are always, uh, we are more productive that way. And she says, no, once you start overworking yourself, you start making mistakes, you start missing details, you actually become no good. You know? Like, if, 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 if it's my job to go into my classroom and teach my students, and I come in and I am so worn out, am I going to be effective at the one job I'm supposed to do there? No. When we're overworked, we make more mistakes. When we're overworked, we're less attentive to detail. When we're overworked, we're less productive, we could say. And so sometimes, in modern theology, we talk about the Sabbath as if that is a day when we should rest so that we can go back into the work week to be more productive there. Has anyone ever heard it presented that way? Yeah. We're, I'm going to rest so that when I go back into the week, I am more effective there. I'm going to rest so that I am more productive there. And here's the thing. When, when I hear that, that understanding of Sabbath, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because that's nowhere in the text. God doesn't take a Sabbath so that God can go back and work better the next day. Did y'all catch that? God doesn't take a Sabbath so that God can go back and create something else. The next, this, this Sabbath is the crown, not another step along the way. See, my friends, this, this mode of thought that Sabbath is just all about resting so that we can be more productive later, that doesn't really show up in the Bible. The purpose of Sabbath is not to make us more productive. The purpose of Sabbath is to set us free from the demands of productivity. Here's what I mean. Abraham Heschel, he, he may be one of the most significant thinkers in Jewish spirituality in the last hundred years. And here's what he says. He says, six days a week we wrestle with the world, bringing profit from the earth. But on Sabbath, we especially care for the seed of eternity planted in our soul. Six days a week, we're here working in the dust of the earth. One day a week, we stop to remind ourselves, I'm not created in the image of that dust. The world may have our hands, but our soul belongs to someone else. The world may have our hands, but our soul belongs to someone else. You see, my friends, the purpose of Sabbath is not for me to go out and be more productive the next day. The purpose of Sabbath is to remind me that even though I may labor in this world six days a week, I am not a beast of burden. The purpose of the Sabbath is to remind me that even though I may work in this world, I am not owned by this world. The purpose of Sabbath is to remind me that even though I endure trials and tribulations in this world, those trials and tribulations do not get to define who I am. You see, my friends, the purpose of Sabbath it's not about resting so that we can go out and be more productive. The purpose of Sabbath is so that we can find who we are. Remind ourselves of who we were created to be. It's, it's like this. Jesus, you all know Jesus is awesome, right? Yes. You all know Jesus is awesome, right? Yes. Okay, it's like this, alright? Jesus is awesome, amen? Amen. Okay, 
Y'all promise not to get me fired, okay? What? <laughs> Jesus also says some crazy stuff. Can we be honest for a second? Right? Have you ever read something that Jesus says, okay, and you're like, Jesus, are you serious? And, and I know sometimes we get used to some of Jesus' teachings because we hear them a lot, right? They sound familiar. But put yourself in the shoes of the disciples and imagine hearing this for the first time. Love your enemy as yourself. Jesus, that's not a sustainable life practice. Forgive 70 times, 70 times, 70. I can't even count that high, Jesus. Are you serious? Here's another one. Sermon on the Mount. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Can we just take a moment and appreciate how crazy that can sound? Yes. Are you serious, Jesus? Yes. I mean, imagine being the disciples hearing that. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And some are all like, <laughs> that's like a good. Jesus, why, why isn't he laughing? <laughs> and you know what scares me about that teaching? There's no asterisk next to it with a footnote that says, Jesus was just being you know, hyperbolic here. Okay? Jesus was just exaggerating. There's no footnote there that says Jesus didn't really mean it. <laughs> Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus, are you serious? Where would he get this idea from? Well, here's the thing. It's all over the place in Torah. All over the place in Torah. The idea that the life of the people of God are supposed to reflect the values of God. If we are going to walk through this world, as the people of God, our life should reflect our God. And so all throughout Torah, we find this especially in the book of Leviticus. Uh, there's a portion of Leviticus that's all about how to live a holy life in this world. We, we call it the holiness code. And throughout that holiness code, here's what God is continually saying. Be holy because I am holy. When you walk in this world, you be holy just like God is holy. Because there's this understanding in Torah. To be the people of God in this world, we reflect the values of God in this world. When people look at us, they should see the reflection of our God. Have you ever heard uh, someone say that your life may be the only Bible that anyone ever reads? Has anyone ever heard that phrase before? Yes! And there's a reason for that. Because there are a lot of people who will never open the pages of the Bible. But when we take the Word, plant it in our hearts, and it grows into our life practices, and that shines into the world, now we have words taking life inside of us. And the world can see that, amen? amen? You see, there's this sense in Torah that if you are the people of God, your life should harmonize with the ways of God. If you are the people of God, your life should in some way move to the rhythms of God. You should be the very reflection of God inside of this world. And so we, we worship the creator of life, amen? amen? Which means our lives should value what? Life. Right? We worship a God that sets people free, which means the people of God should be about what work, bringing freedom. Right? We worship a God that is full of compassion, which means the people of God should be reflecting what in this world? Compassion. We worship a God that forget, has this radical notion of forgiveness, which means Christians should have what kind of notion of forgiveness? A radical one, right? We worship a God whose love is mind-blowing. Which means, how should our love be? It should be mind-blowing. All throughout Torah, there is this sense that the life of the people of God should reflect the values of God. And so Jesus says something crazy like this. Your heavenly Father is perfect, right? Which means you should be what? 
here's the thing, my friends. We believe in a God who's a creator. We believe in a God who, who endows us with God's image, and now we are the reflection of that image inside of this world. You see, at several points in Torah, when it tells the children of Israel to observe the Sabbath, it, it tells them why, also. We get this in Exodus chapter 20. The Ten Commandments, we all know the Ten Commandments, right? Yes, okay? Exodus 20, it tells them why. In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but on the, he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath, the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Why do we observe Sabbath? Because God, that's the way God works in this world. There's a sense throughout Torah that when we see how God works in this world, we are to harmonize with that inside of this world. You see, my friends, Sabbath is not about following rules for the sake of rules. It's not about resting so that we can become more productive later. Sabbath is about taking the time to tune my life to the Spirit of God. Sabbath is about taking the time to tune my life to the Spirit of God, to adjust my, my, the rhythms of my daily routines to reflect this Creator that I represent in this world. Because here's the thing. We go throughout this world day in and day out, and we are continually adjusting our lives to the pressures that are around us. We are continually tuning our lives to fit in with the trials and tribulations that are around us. Have you ever been in a, uh, what we could call a discordant workplace environment? Gossip, backbiting, all kinds of interpersonal conflicts and tensions, the kinds of stuff that makes introverts like me just want to curl up in my shell. Okay? Well, what happens after we're in that environment for a while? We learn to survive there, right? We learn to grow that thick skin. We learn to adjust ourselves so that we can live in that environment. We tune our lives for that environment. Have you ever been in an unhealthy relationship? Right? I mean, there, there are a lot of good people that get into bad relationships. They just don't work well together. It, it happens. But have you ever been in one and, and one of the regrets is not just the other person, it's not just the events that happen, one of the regrets is who we became in that relationship. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Because environments can change us, right? My boss tells me uh, that, you know, you're expected to work nights and weekends, so what happens? I tune my life in order to meet those expectations, right? I walk throughout a world that tells me that if you want to survive, okay, you have to be willing to swing back harder. So what do I do? I tune my life in order to live inside of that world. I tune my life in order to harmonize with the rhythms of that world. And next thing I know, I am walking around in tune with the ways of this world, harmonizing with the ways of this world. You know what Sabbath is about? It's about stepping outside of all of that to harmonize with the presence of my God. It's about stepping outside of all of that to harmonize with the Spirit of God in this world. And now... When I step back into the workplace on Monday, I'm not harmonizing with the workplace discord, am I? When I step back into the workplace on Monday, I'm not harmonizing with the interpersonal conflicts. I am, you could say, out of step. Because who do I harmonize with? My God. Who do I reflect in this world? My God. That's what Sabbath is about. Sabbath is about coming to harmonize with the presence of our God coming to harmonize with the movements of our God inside of this world. My job doesn't define me. 
My God does. That relationship doesn't get to define me. My God does. That boss does not get to define me. My God does. And every Sabbath, I stop and take a step away from all of those rhythms of the world to tune my spirit to the presence of God. Sabbath is about patterning our lives after God. It's about harmonizing our spirit with the ways of God, with the ways of this world. Uh, the ways of this world, the problems of this world, the drama of this world, they don't get to define me. Criticisms may fly around me, but I am in harmony with compassion. I don't need to tune my life to their criticisms. And for some of us, we spend a long time tuning our lives to other people's criticisms, don't we? I need Sabbath to remind me their criticisms don't get to define me. Hate may encircle me on all sides, but I still get to walk in hope because hate does not get to define me. My life does not get to harmonize with hatred. My spirit doesn't have to resonate with their hatred. Degradation may be their middle name. It doesn't have to be mine. The storms of this world blow around me. I can walk right through them because they don't define me. I harmonize with my freedom. The waves may churn and roar, gracefully glide right over them. Because they don't get to define me. I harmonize with the presence of my God. I spend so much of my life tuning my spirit to the mess that's out there. I spend so much, much of my life tuning my spirit to the problems that are out there. So much of my life tuning my spirit to the trials and the tribulations. And Sabbath is all about coming back. And reminding myself whose image I'm really creating in. I'm creating the image of my God. I should be out of step with all of that out there. I should go back to the workplace on Monday out of step with all the drama out there. So that's the thing. When we're in an environment that has rhythms, that harmonizes, after, after a period of time, we only naturally learn to survive in that environment. We're survivors. That's what we do. And so when we're in an environment we're surrounded by violence, we learn to survive. We learn to play by those rules, right? When we're in an environment and we're surrounded by discord, we learn to play by those rules. Over time, that tunes our spirits to survive there. When I'm in an environment and I'm continually hearing about humanitarian rights crisis right now within our own country, after a while, that's going to start sounding like background noise, isn't it? When I'm in an environment and it starts sounding like background noise, how long will it take before I start just assuming that's supposed to be there? How long will it take before I just grow complacent and just allow that to stay there? How long will it take before I start thinking that's the way it's supposed to be? Yeah, that happens, right? It happens in our own relationships. When we're in an unhealthy relationship, we just assume that's the way it's supposed to be. Why? Because we've been there for so long, it feels normal. And I need to step outside of all of that. To get my spirit to harmonize with the presence of my God. I need to get outside of all of that to get my spirit to harmonize with the ways of my God in this world. So that when I step back into this world, I am out of step with the stories of violence that are on the news. When I get back, when I step back into this world, I am out of step with the ways of this world. I'm reflecting who? My God. Whose image am I created in? Who should I be reflecting in this world? The problems of the world don't get to define me. The problems of this world don't get to tune my spirit. Amen. That's what Sabbath is about. Amen. You want to know something else crazy that Jesus says? Come to me, 
all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we search in our own hearts, can we find the ways in which we have started to attune ourselves to the world to survive? Can we find ways in which the problems and the trials of the world have shaped who we are, redefined our being? Can we see it? Do we need to find that moment of Sabbath? Here's the thing. When I look at Sabbath, okay, I, I know it's, it's, it's a day in the week. But Sabbath becomes so much more than just a day. It becomes a moment. It becomes an experience. And that's what I'm asking right now. Do we need to step into that experience where we leave all the trials of the world aside so that we can retune our lives, retune our spirits to the movements of our God in this world? We want to see our God move. Do you know how hard it is when we are harmonizing with something else? We want to see our God move in our lives. You know how hard it could be to see that when we're so busy adjusting ourselves to another master's voice. Does anyone here today need to step into a moment of Sabbath? Does anyone here today want to retune your spirit to the ways of God in this world? Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, we want to take a moment to search through our hearts because we know that walking throughout this world six days a week, it will leave an impact on us. It will shape us and begin to mold us in ways that we don't fully see. And so, Lord, in this moment, we want you to open our eyes to the ways in which we are carrying the world on us, in us, through the rhythms and routines of who we are. In this moment, God, we want to step into a spirit of Sabbath, step into a moment of Sabbath, to retune our hearts, to retune our spirits, to retune our minds, so that when we go forth from here, we harmonize with you. Our spirit harmonizes with you. In this moment, open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes. And I want to ask that we all just take a moment, listen within our hearts. Hi. My name is Nicholas Wurst. I'm the executive minister here at One Fellowship Church in Waco, Texas. I just want to say thank you for listening. You can learn more about our church online at onefellowshipumc.org. And you can like us on Facebook to stay up to date with all of the latest events in our community. Please feel free to share this message and others online so that more people can learn about what God is doing here at One Fellowship. Thank you and God bless.